Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back or welcome to Behind the Girl Boss. I'm your host, Amanda, and if you didn't know anything about me already, my name is Amanda. I'm a 22-year-old content creator from Montreal, Canada. I create lifestyle content on YouTube and Instagram. I have this podcast, and I also have an apparel company and a candle company. I also do some freelance work on the side, so that's a little bit about me. And now this podcast, Behind the Girl Boss, is basically what it's called it's behind the girl boss i love to talk all things business lifestyle i love to talk to special guests and just learn about their journey and learn about how they got to where they are today and the process and everything that they're going through as a business person whether it be on social media or owning their own business or whatever it may be i just love to know people's journeys and how they got to where they are now so on today's episode we have yet another guest and her name is zoe pritchard zoe is a content creator from montreal canada she mainly posts right now on youtube i would basically say she's a lifestyle vlogger she posts a lot of work week in my life and she speaks a lot about finance so if this is something that you're interested in you will love this episode zoe is also from montreal which is super cool because i haven't met too many content creators from where i live so i am happy to have a fellow content creator friend so if you're interested please stick around and i really do hope you enjoy Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to Behind the Girl Boss. So today we have yet another guest and we have Zoe. So hi Zoe. Hi, thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm Zoe. I'm 23, turning 24. I live in Montreal and I work as a tech consultant and then I have sort of a side hustle slash passion project, which is my YouTube channel where I talk about career, uh, personal finance, fashion, and basically just anything that interests me. I cover it on my YouTube channel. That's uh, pretty much about me. (laughs) Awesome. So before we kind of jump into like the interview part, I kind of like to do like a hot seat segment um, to kind of like, kind of like an icebreaker, I guess. Um, So you can answer whichever thought comes to mind first. Um, So what is your dream travel or where is your dream travel destination? I really want to go to Singapore. Yes. I think that's like my first first dream place. There's so many places I want to go, but that's one that came to mind first. Yes. It looks like so pretty there. I, I want to go too. What is your go-to drink? My go-to drink? Like alcoholic drink or... Um, Whatever you want. Beverage of <laughs> choice. Well, my go-to alcoholic drink would be a gin and tonic. Um, and my go-to drink at home, I've been making matcha lattes throughout the COVID uh, lockdown and I've really been liking that I feel like I'm the only person that doesn't like matcha you don't like it no (laughs) I don't know why but I don't it is a weird taste like you kind of have to get into it like I yeah I feel like I've only had it once and like that one time I didn't like it so maybe like I have to just retry it and the last one is what would you do if you won the lottery oh my gosh um okay well honestly I think I would quit my full-time job and just go all in on YouTube but then again my content is centered around my job so maybe that Mm. would be the best move but I think yeah I think I would just want to set myself up so that I could be like this is such a responsible answer but I would want to be just financially set up so that when the day comes that I don't feel like working anymore or that I'm like too stressed out and I'm like enough is enough that I could just go off and do whatever do whatever I want like go live by the beach or something like that so I think that's what I would do if I won the lottery I feel like yeah that's the like smartest smartest decision 
most people say like, oh, I would invest it, which I guess is part of my answer. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would be a little bit irresponsible too. Like I'd be really tempted to just quit my job and like go move to the beach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it'd be an experience. So if you have the money, yeah. might as well. That's it. Um, so where did you go to university and what was your major? I went to Concordia University. I went to the business school. So the John Wilson School of Business. And my major was human resource management. And then I did a minor in finance. So do you think going to school in Canada is different from the States? I think so. Like, if I'm being honest, I was always kind of jealous of people who got to go to university in the U.S. just because of what we see in the movies and like that traditional college experience. Um, And I know you go to Concordia as well. Yeah. And I just feel like we don't have as much school spirit and we don't have like that real campus experience um, that they do in the United States even in other parts of Canada they have it I just I I think yeah I I think it's less of an overall package here in Canada it Mm -hmm. seems more like it's like something that you do just to get it done almost yeah like whenever I watch like I watch a lot of like YouTubers from the states that go to school and like when I see what they're doing versus what I do and like just like their Mm -hmm. school like lifestyle I'm like wow it's like so different yeah and the pride they have for their school and like school spirit like especially Concordia is an especially special school and I guess for anyone listening like it's really a school that's in the middle of downtown Montreal Mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like a real university almost it just yeah I find it's like people come in they go to class and then they go home yeah it's so like it's not what I expected from like watching movies and watching youtubers and stuff that go to school and stuff it's like such a different experience so I saw you also did a semester abroad or I don't know if it's mm-hmm. a semester or a year abroad, um, but how was that experience? That was so amazing. Like, it's really cliche whenever people talk about, you know, studying abroad, that's like, oh, it was the best time of my life, but it actually was. Like, I was a completely different person when I was there. I was not stressed. I wasn't worried about anything. It's cool because, like, you just touch down in this new place and you really have the opportunity to be whoever you want to be because nobody knows you. And you don't feel like anyone's judging you. Um, I felt like I could be like my truest self. And it was it was so great. I miss it every day. <laughs> Where did you study again? It was in Australia. Um, oh, I was wow. in like a small town outside of Sydney. It was like a university town um, okay. right by the beach. So I was wow. like literally in paradise. Like it was a 20 minute walk from where I, I was imagine. living to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you do any internships during or right after school? Uh, I did one internship during school. I did a summer internship at a coding boot camp. Um, I was like the community manager. So I was doing some help with um, writing blogs and doing some marketing and social media for the school. And then I also did, um, I would organize some events. So the point of the school was to get people trained um, on how to code and then help them find a full-time job. And so I would organize events that would connect the students with like companies that were hiring. Okay, that's cool. cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. So how was the process of finding a job post-grad? So I really wanted to work in consulting and it's a pretty like um, traditional application process. It's like for whatever firm you go work at, it's like you apply in September and then there's different rounds of interviews. Um, So it's very structured, I would say. So in that sense, I was lucky that I knew that I wanted to go down this path of, you know, working in consulting. So 
I had to go to like a bunch of networking events and a bunch of information sessions. And then I had to practice a lot of cases as well to get ready for these interviews. So it was a pretty intense like job search because you're applying to so many different firms and it's really competitive. But at the same time, it's very like easily laid out. Like I feel like for a more traditional job search, you have to be super disciplined in like looking for jobs, applying, following up after you interview. Um, And with consulting, it's like more of that's done for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's like the typical job search. Um, What would you say? Like job search experience? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's like a big like um, when people leave like school or the university or whatever people like assume it's going to be like really easy to find a job just because like you Mm -hmm. have a university degree so you think everyone's going to like want to take you but I feel like I mean I haven't experienced it yet but I feel like it's not as easy as people think it is no like I think looking for a job is a full-time job like so a friend of mine she used a project management software to help with her job search and she had a list of everywhere she was applying and she would move things like along the soft like along through different columns um in the software so she would have like that she's applied and then if she didn't hear back she would follow up and then she would interview and follow up after the interview like she was really strict um and that I like I'm sure it helped her get a job but like yeah. seeing her go through that she did it before I graduated I was like oh it it really is a job to look for a job yeah, I feel like it's a really stressful time. Yeah, when are you graduating? I still have two years. So basically, I started at okay. Concordia two years ago, but then I switched programs. So I still have two years left. Okay, nice. So you have some time to get ready for the big job search. Yes, I have a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, So you kind of spoke about it a bit, but you got like your first, I would say, corporate job. I don't know what it's called, but a corporate job. Um. out of university um so what did this job entail so I was working as a management consultant I was part of a rotational program so it was geared towards new grads um and basically this job was like my dream job or what I thought would be my dream job Mm -hmm. um and I was expecting to like solve a lot of problems and like work on you know really cool projects and I ended up just being like a note taker and a PowerPoint slide formatter. So it was really boring. I really hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of entry-level jobs, like it's, you don't end up getting what they sell to you. Like, you know, they sell you on like a really interesting job and you're going to do lots of stuff, but it's not always the case. Um, for me, it wasn't the case. And uh, yeah, I left after six months. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you go about like deciding to actually quit? So that was, yeah, that was like a really big and stressful part of my life. And it's funny because I think that's what actually like kind of helped my channel take off on YouTube was like, Mm -hmm. I shared my decision to quit and how emotional it was. And a lot of people could relate to that. I knew from like my first few weeks in that job that I wanted to leave. And I I remember texting my mom, I was like hiding in the bathroom because I was like super anxious. And I remember texting my mom, like, I just want to run out of here. I want to go back to Australia, like where I studied abroad. Yeah. And I think like our gut feelings tell us what we should be doing and where we should be going. Um, So from the beginning, I knew that this wasn't the place for me and I would look at other jobs um, online and nothing really interested me. And then over time, I kept feeling like this kick within me, like you've got to quit, you've got to quit, you've got to find something else. But I was afraid, like it's really scary to quit a job 
especially one that pays well, one that you thought was your dream job, one that other Mm -hmm. people really wanted as well, because it's really competitive to get into consulting. So I felt like I was taking the spot of someone else who really wanted to be there. And because I was taking someone's spot, I should like suck it up and try and enjoy it. Um, But finally, there was one, there was like an event that happened at work where they tried to transfer me to another department, which like I really didn't want to, it was like an accounting department and I am not an accountant. Yeah, so that was kind of like the final straw and like I took it as my sign that I needed to leave because I was just being treated like a number and that's not what I wanted. So yeah, yeah, I took it upon myself to look for other jobs and I applied and got a new one and that was it. Then I quit. That's great. At least you're, are you happier now? Yeah, so much happier. I just, I think that when we decide that we're going to leave something or when we decide like, okay, now's the time to quit, it really lights that fire in us to go find something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it motivates us that much more to like ask for the salary we want and like make sure that we're doing our job and looking for a good job that we're going to like yeah. and not just settling for the first thing we get. So that was pretty good that at least having a bad job taught me what I want in a job and not mm-hmm. my job here. For sure. So like, I feel like there's a huge stigma around quitting a job and like going down a different path or anything like that. So how do you feel about that specifically? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think um, the good thing is what what helped me a lot was that I posted that video and I was expecting to get like kind of a negative reaction from it. Mm-hmm. And I got a negative reaction from some of my old colleagues who were like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Like, you, you know, threw the company under the bus, whatever. But more than that, like so many people were messaging me and commenting saying that they went through the same thing. Um, hundreds of people saying I went through the exact same thing and that just tells you that you're not alone and so there's a stigma around it for no reason Mm -hmm. and if I'm being honest and if I'm going to get a bit deep I think that stigma comes from other people's fear of lack of stability and they think well you know if you quit this job like you're ungrateful and you're going to end up on the streets and like that just comes from their own fear. And a lot of the times their own fear stops them from quitting something that makes them miserable. So they project that onto you and want you to stay and they want everyone to stay in a job that makes them unhappy when it's yeah. just not necessary, you know? Yeah, I feel that. You're also a creator on YouTube. Um, for everyone listening that hasn't seen your channel yet, um, do you want to talk a bit about it and like what type of content you post and stuff? Yeah. So I started my channel with the intention of posting like, corporate fashion and how I liked to dress to go to work and those videos did well but what ended up doing the best was anytime I would do like a work week in my life video Mm -hmm. and I really liked filming the work week in my life but then what happened was my work told me my old job told me not to do that anymore they were like you're not allowed um and then any video I would put up just wouldn't get the same attention or Mm -hmm. views as that original video so When I quit my job, that video blew up and then it sort of made my content shift away from like fashion and hauls and really into this like work lifestyle content, um, which I'm happy about because it's just my life. So I just get to talk about my life and and I feel really thankful about that. But I think it's funny how like YouTube and the YouTube algorithm sort of decided for me the kind of content that that I'm making. Because if I had thought, you know, a lot of the advice when you start a YouTube channel is like pick a niche and stick to your niche. Mm -hmm. And had I done that, I would still be just making like fashion videos and maybe no one would be watching, which is really weird to think about. Yeah, like a lot of people say like pick a niche and stuff. But like for me, like I don't know if I like that because for like 
also for my channel I like post literally like random stuff not random but like I don't always post the exact same niche stuff and I feel like sometimes people have to like branch out from it and like try different things and stuff because sometimes like the initial thing that you start with doesn't it's not the thing that works exactly and I think yeah I totally agree like I don't think that's like the best advice is to pick a niche because you might just have these other interests and like talents even that you don't even know you had and like an example is I I made a video out of my own frustration talking about personal finance and I just wanted to like share on YouTube how frustrated I was with like how I felt like I was bad with my money um because I was sick of watching girls on YouTube like look like they're killing it at life and they're buying designer clothes and they're buying new apartments and new decor and like all this stuff and I was like I'm the same age as these girls and I just cannot relate like I feel like I'm drowning in my budget so I made a video like just confessing that and now all of a sudden I'm like not a personal finance youtuber but like I'm making constantly videos about this and people really like that Mm -hmm. and I never would have thought that'd be the case right so I think it's fun to just let like let your own life take you for what through what you want to upload on your channel and then the algorithm's going to decide too like I posted a skincare video it didn't do that well okay fine I like I see you algorithm I will upload like what you push and what you tell me to upload I think when you're new that's important too like I think when you get bigger um then you know you go back to posting like whatever you want even if you know you don't care that it doesn't get a lot of views but I think and and maybe this is shallow but when you're new like you are motivated by views because you want to grow your channel so you're like you can just post whatever is going to get you whatever's going to help you grow I guess yeah for sure I understand that um so when did you actually like start and post your first ever YouTube video? My first ever? I like still remember it. I posted a haul from when I went shopping in the US. Um, we'd crossed the border and went to Vermont. And so I got to go to all these stores that we didn't have in my hometown, like Hollister and Abercrombie, Victoria's Secret. And I came back and I like sat in my pink bedroom <laughs> and I posted my haul filmed on like my little Canon digital camera. And then I kept making YouTube videos all throughout middle school and high school. Um, they're all private now because they're so embarrassing. Yes, I feel but that. But I stopped during university because I was like afraid of what other people would think about me. In the winter of, it was January 2018 that I restarted my channel. Okay. No, sorry. January 2019. Last January. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So you now have over 11,000 subscribers. Um, Was this growth, would you say, fast or was it really gradual? So from my OG YouTube days, I had 3,000 subscribers. So from when I was like in high school. So I started my channel with 3,000 subscribers, which was pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Not everyone was still watching, but I started like my first few videos would get like a couple hundred views, which was pretty nice to still have like that audience from before. And then from there, the growth was really slow, I think. Like the first year, I grew by a thousand in the first year because I was posting content about study abroad and no one was talking about my specific university. So I think that was really helpful in helping people find my channel. And then from there, it was really slow, I think. Well, slow for me, like slow for what I would have liked. I think it's all relative. Like after after the first couple, like I hit 4,000 in April of 2019. And then April 2020, I really wanted to hit 6,000. That was like my mm-hmm. goal was to move up by that much. And I didn't quite hit it. But then from 6,000 to 11,000, it like flew. 
Um, and it's because I had one video that kind of not went viral, but it was going, it had like a hundred thousand views and it was growing really quickly. And then that I think a lot of attracted a lot of subscribers. So it was slow and then it was fast. Now it's slowing down a bit. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see like the speed at which it varies. Uh, the yeah. growth. Like it's definitely not linear. Like mm-hmm. if you think like, okay, I, you know, I've hit 11 and now I'm going to double up to 20 and whatever, whatever, like the speed is really like some weeks I'll get like a hundred new subscribers and then some weeks I'll get like 300 new subscribers and there's no difference in the weeks. It's just like everyone says like this mysterious YouTube algorithm and like it's yeah. really mysterious. I don't know what it's doing for me, but <laughs> You know, I feel like it happens to a lot of people like my channel kind of hit like a plateau right now. So I'm trying to figure like it out and stuff. But like you said, like sometimes between like the last two months, like last month, I got like 250 subscribers. And then this month I got like 50, which is like, and I haven't like changed anything I've done. So yeah, it's a little, it's weird. Sometimes. Yeah, it's weird. I think sometimes it depends on certain videos too. Like if you have one video that you put out, and then YouTube decides to promote it, you'll get like a bunch mm-hmm. of subscribers from it. Like it just varies. So I think it's important to like stay detached from it. Like sometimes I yeah. find myself like setting a goal of like, I want to reach, like I hit 11K yesterday and I'm trying not to even think about 12 <laughs> because I can get too attached to yeah. hitting these goals within a certain timeline when a lot of the time it's just out of my control of yes. like when the subscribers come or not. Yeah, for sure. What would you say is your ultimate goal for your YouTube channel? My ultimate goal, like, yeah, if I'm being honest, it would be, I would love to be full time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, I do enjoy work outside of YouTube, but I would love, like, I just love the idea of being my own boss and being able to control yeah. my hours. And when I'm editing videos or when I'm filming videos, like time flies, like I I love doing it versus when I'm doing some things for work, like time doesn't fly. And those are the kind of things that eventually I'd like to eliminate from my life is like the stress of feeling like you need to do things that you don't like doing and it's for someone else. Mm-hmm. I think I think our generation too, like that's something that we're all realizing is like, oh, I don't want to work for someone else. Yeah. Um, so my goal would be to grow my channel to a point where it could, you know, sustain a nice lifestyle for me and then I think I would like to learn another skill and be able to do that on the side like sort of freelance like I'd like to either keep working in like tech consulting but as a contractor um, or learn another skill like coding or copywriting something like that that I could do on the side along with my channel just to like diversify my interests mm-hmm. that's sort of my goal right now that would be fun um so I kind of want to talk about finances and stuff since it's kind of like a popular topic on your channel um so when did you start getting interested in finances and money great question so I have always been someone who like and I think it comes from like my love of YouTube since a young age I love clothes and shopping and buying stuff like I used to be extremely materialistic so Mm -hmm. all throughout college all through my life like I, I didn't grow up wealthy like I didn't grow up with like rich parents um I got a job the second I turned 15 and could start affording stuff. And I used it first. I used it to buy a MacBook so that I could edit YouTube videos with iMovie. And then I bought a Michael Kors bag, like definitely wasn't being smart with my money, you know? And if I was, I probably would have saved to like cover my university tuition. 
So I've always known that I'm like bad with money. And it was something that I would tell myself constantly was like, oh, you're just bad with money. You're just materialistic. You just like to shop. And I would say like, oh, well, that's just the way I am. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I graduated and I had like over $20,000 in debt. And I felt like I couldn't properly start my life with like this debt hanging over my head. Like I really wanted to be free of it and have my money Mm -hmm. be my money. And it wasn't until COVID struck that I realized how much money I was spending like I was going out all the time shopping all the time and I made like a pretty good salary but I wasn't seeing any of it and I wasn't saving any of it and it's because my lifestyle was just like out of control so I think the lockdown really forced me to sit back and be like like suddenly I had all this money in my checking account it's because I couldn't leave the house Mm -hmm. and then that forced me to do some like reflecting and once I made that first video where I was like coming clean about you know, my spending habits and like my lack of saving and then seeing how people responded, I was like, okay, like this is something I could do. Like this is something I could take people along my journey with. And I think that's where my, my interest started. So it's been what, three months, (laughs) not even. Yeah. I feel like for me also, like during quarantine and stuff is when I realized like I spend so much money on like unnecessary stuff. And if I didn't do that, I'd Mm -hmm. have like more money saved. So I was able to pay off like I have three credit cards. I don't know why I have three credit cards, but I do. And like, I was able to pay them off during like quarantine and stuff. So that was like nice. That's so great. And now that like stuff is opening up again, like I'm at work again and stuff. I'm like, I can't like fall back into like what I was doing before, like buying all this stuff that I like really just don't need. So it's been like a little bit of a struggle, but I think, I think like once you get into that mindset and know like that you shouldn't be doing that, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah, it is hard though. Like I felt the same way since things opened back up. I feel like I'm going out to eat a little bit more and Mm -hmm. then I feel super guilty afterwards. So I guess we just need to find like a balance. Um, And for me, the next step is like to create a budget that I actually stick to. So like how much can I spend on going out per week? How much can I spend on groceries and like sticking to that? Because now we don't have the forced lockdown to keep us, you know, away from spending. So that's the next step. Do you have any advice for trying to pay off any debt? Yeah, I think um, my biggest advice, the thing that helped me the most is talking about it with other people. And for me, my parents, like I'm really close with my parents, but talking about money with my parents did not go well um, Mm -hmm. because they have their own like biases and they have, they're so attached to you that it's like, I didn't find it was the best person for me to talk to. So one of my friends and I, we just started the conversation about money. I think it was actually her who started it. And because she had a little bit of debt too. And then just through talking about it, we like became each other's accountability partner. And Mm -hmm. that was like the most motivating thing. So, you know, we're often we would tell our friends like, hey, look at this cute shirt I just bought. Look at this dress I just got. Look at these shoes I just got. Now we tell each other, oh, I put, you know, a hundred bucks towards my loan. I put a hundred bucks towards my credit card this month. And then we're like, yeah, like that's great. And so we set these goals together and we encourage each other. And that Mm -hmm. helped so much. I think that's the first, that's like a really good first step for anybody. For sure. Um, So where did you kind of like learn about finances and stuff? Cause like, I feel like this is something that we should talk about in school, like even like taxes and stuff. Cause like, honestly, I haven't, I had like no idea what anything was. So where did you kind Mm -hmm. of like learn for yourself? Mostly through YouTube. Um, 
I I learned the hard part about being Canadian is most of the content out there is geared towards Americans. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, that kept me away from the personal finance, like blogs inside of YouTube. But if you just do a little bit more digging, you can find some good stuff for Canadians, like by Canadian creators. And that was really helpful for me, like hearing what they thought about student loans and hearing what they thought about like different checking accounts and different banks and like the different types of savings so like for us in Canada it's like your retirement savings and then the Mm -hmm. tax-free savings account like hearing about that from them was really helpful and then just through my own trial and error too like trying out different things um I kind of had to be my own teacher like I can give an example I opened um I opened an ETF and I didn't contribute to it for like a month because I was scared that I was going to get a big fee when I transferred money over Mm -hmm. to this ETF so I was waiting for some sign from God to tell me like that I was or wasn't going to get a fee like I don't know what I was waiting for I was just scared (laughs) and finally I was just one day I was like okay just do it Zoe just transfer the money see what happens if you get a fee just figure it out because I hate fees I'm really cheap like charge me a fee I'm really mad (laughs) um so I transferred it over there was no fee and then I was like oh okay so now I know so just being my own teacher I think was good too um and now I'm trying to like through my channel pass that knowledge on other people because like you said there's just not enough people talking about it so how are we supposed to learn we have to exactly ourselves yeah um so the last part of the podcast um I asked people on Instagram to ask you questions and I picked my favorite ones so the first one is what's your side hustles my side hustles so I have my YouTube channel, which I'm really fortunate that I make ad revenue from. And recently, I've had a few sponsored videos, um, which is really cool. During COVID, I also started a side hustle of a one-on-one consulting business. So people reached out to me asking how I got into consulting, if I could help review their CV, if I could help give them some strategies like tailored to them to get into consulting. So I started charging um, like really like low, reasonable rates help people out so that's another side hustle that I have and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I do that makes me money <laughs> I think those are the big two or okay. three if you count sponsorships yeah sponsorships are fun yeah I like when I got my first one I was really excited like yeah <laughs> very feel very lucky about that yes um someone else wants to know what's your experience like living in Montreal Ooh, that's a good question. So I actually grew up in Ottawa. I'm not from Montreal. And I really like living here, like, especially when I was in university, I it was really fun. Like I liked the whole like party scene on Saint Laurent and the old port. Um, I was like really into the clubs and stuff. I loved that. And one thing I really love about Montreal, especially now, is how much parks there are. Like every neighborhood Mm -hmm. you go to, there's beautiful parks that you can hang out in. I love like the architecture and the different houses, like the different styles of houses that we have here. They're very yeah. unique. Like if, if you know Montreal, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, what I'm saying sounds weird, I guess, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, one thing that I found hard was I feel like it can be hard to adapt to the French in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like French is not my first language. So sometimes making friends can be hard when you don't know what language to speak to them in or you feel like there's like a language barrier between you and somebody else that's one thing that could be tough but overall I like living here I think it's a really fun city it has like a lot of European influence so you feel a bit posh being in Montreal yes Um, especially like I came from Ottawa right which is like a boring government town so (laughs) Montreal is definitely like a lot more fun than that yeah it's um 
I mean, I feel like I've gotten tired of Montreal, but I feel like it's also just because I've lived here my whole life. So, but yeah, Montreal's pretty and it's fun. Yeah, I, I can really, like, I've been here six years now and sometimes I think about moving. Like, I would love to live in New York one day. Same. But Montreal has, like, I feel bad hating on it. Like, it's such a good place to live. The cost of living is so cheap. Like, mm-hmm. you can really, like, live well here. Yeah, and we get restaurants too. <laughs> yeah, there is good food. Um, someone else wants to know what's your favorite thing about doing YouTube? My favorite thing, honestly, this is so cheesy, is when people message me saying that my videos had a positive impact on them. Like, especially with the personal finance ones, people messaging me saying, like, I used to be really bad with my money. Because of you, I'm working on paying off my debt or I'm working on saving more. Like, that's insane to me. Like the fact that I could help people with something that's so important such as your finances just blows my mind and makes me so happy every single day so I think helping people is is the best part yes um someone else wants to know who are some of your favorite creators my favorite creators so right now I've been loving uh Natalie Barbu she lives in New York and she makes a lot of like fitness lifestyle and business content um, I really love her videos and she's really good at editing. Like she's always this nice yes. girl in New York City, which I love. Um, also love Brooke Michio, who you just had on your podcast. I really yes. like her videos and she just moved to New York too. So I think there's a bit of a theme here. Another YouTuber that I really love, her name is Sam Osterall. She does like fitness and law of attraction content. And she okay. lives, um, she used to live in LA and now she moved to Florida. And so her content's like very beachy and like her style is really boho and I love it I would say those are my top three that I'm watching right now yeah I like I like Natalie too I watch her a lot um and I also like Brooke um I've never heard of the third one so I'm gonna go search her up after yeah she's good she's just like feel good vibes and she's pregnant right now so I'm loving watching her like pregnancy journey yeah yes it's so fun like I don't have any plans of like having a baby anytime soon obviously but like I don't know I like watching other people's journeys it's fun me too I know it's so weird sometimes I think I'm actually insane because I love watching birth vlogs Um, same but I just think it's so cool because like it's not anything I can relate to like it's Mm -hmm. not like you said for me too it's not for a while but I think it's just like so cool to watch this like real like it's such a real life thing that people are now just sharing on YouTube which is awesome yes um and the last one is do you have any advice for someone trying to grow their social media platforms Yeah. So I think what we talked about earlier um, in the podcast, like not feeling like you need to stick to a niche right away. Um, That would be my first piece of advice. And my second piece of advice, the thing that really helped me grow too, is when I stopped filtering myself so much and really just started speaking from my heart and being honest, being vulnerable, people really related to that. And my, first of all, my YouTube grew like crazy when I opened up about that. Like I made one video where I came forward and I said, I have really bad anxiety. I have super bad imposter syndrome. And that video gained me, I think like a hundred subscribers in a few weeks. And it's just because people were like, people were looking for that content of people being relatable. So whatever, you know, your area is, even if it's clothing, if it's like DIY, like just being honest and not, I think a lot of creators think they have to put on this like I'm so perfect, like front. Yeah. But people aren't looking for that anymore. So I think be yourself is so, so, so important. And even on Instagram, like I was being very raw and vulnerable on YouTube and my Instagram wasn't growing. And then as soon as on Instagram, I started talking about my YouTube channel and I started like 
showing more of my personality on Instagram, then my numbers went up there too. There's such a direct correlation between being yourself and like your platforms growing, I think on any, on any social media platform. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's the end of the podcast. That's all I have. Um, Before we kind of end it off, do you want to shout out your socials for anyone listening? Sure. Okay. I've actually never shouted on my socials before. (laughs) So here we go. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is just my name, Zoe Pritchard. And my Instagram is Z-P-R-I-T-X. Doesn't mean anything. I invented it in high school and <laughs> I just like it. So those are my handles. Um, that's where you can find me. Yeah, awesome. thanks for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. It was fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And I really do hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you got to learn more about Zoe and learn about the content creation world along with postgrad quitting a job, finding a job in consulting and finances and YouTube and literally the list can go on. Do not forget to support her journey and follow her on Instagram and on YouTube. She is about to hit 12,000 as I'm recording this outro, which is crazy because when I found her channel, she was at 10K. So that's wild to me so like i said please go support her journey and if you want to support my journey please don't be shy you can follow me on instagram at at it's amanda Wan or at behind the girl boss and you can also follow me on youtube at it's amanda Wan. i really do hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please do not forget to subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast on and if it's on apple Podcasts, don't be shy to leave a review so once again thank you guys so much for listening and i will hear you next time